This Washington Post Live podcast is in partnership with Paramount Plus, offering live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Stream all episodes of The Offer now, starring Miles Teller, Matthew Good, and Juno Temple, exclusively on Paramount Plus. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Elahe Azadi, a reporter covering media for The Washington Post. Today, I'm joined by actors Miles Teller and Matthew Good, as well as showrunner Nikki Toscano, to discuss the limited series The Offer, which delves into the behind-the-scenes making of the iconic film The Godfather. Welcome to you all. Morning. Thank you for having us. <clears throat> yeah. Great to have you all here together. <laughs> and remember, we always want to hear from you, our audience. You can share your thoughts and questions for guests by tweeting live at Washington at Post Live. The handle is at Post Live. Um, yeah, let's just jump right in. Nikki, um, you are the showrunner and you co-wrote the series with Michael Tolkien. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins of the story and how did it come to be? Absolutely. Um, you know, Al Reddy came in and spoke to Nicole Clemens and Jenna Santoyani at, at Paramount Studios and was talking about his story, which was a largely sort of untapped story in the telling of the making of The Godfather. There had been a lot of, of, of different press over the years, over 50 years, um, about the making of The Godfather, what went into it, the casting, all of those different kinds of things. Um, and um, and then um, and then Michael Tolkien sat down with Already for I don't know about two weeks and and uh, interviewed him and spoke to him about his experience um, in the making of this film. And then we largely used um, a number of other resources to sort of put it all together. Um, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, R Robert Evans' book, Peter Bart's book, Mario Puzo's book, interviews that were, you know, done with Francis Ford Coppola, and it all sort of came together. Um, but the heart of the story is, is you know, is Al, Runny's, Al Ruddy's journey in the, making of this film, this sort of outsider underdog um, um, who uh, broke into Hollywood, sort of just busted through its doors and was given um, this incredible movie to produce. And Miles, you play Al Ruddy, the producer behind The Godfather, and he's also executive producer of The Offer, this series. Um, and Ruddy reportedly told Michael Tolkien that, quote, every day of making The Godfather was the worst day in my life. Um, what was it like having to play this character um, who is also so intimately involved, the real man is so intimately involved in the project? Were you getting a lot of feedback? Well, Al, yeah, I mean, he. I'm, I'm playing the the man who's producing the Godfather as he's a, a producer on the show. So he was he was uh, absolutely involved. I would expect nothing less from Al after you know having met him and spent some time with him. But it was it was tough, man. I think once I really realized, uh, you know, how many how many balls he constantly had to keep in the air. I think he was a master at at. Um, you know, kind of dealing with so many different types of personalities, and and that's why he really made for the the perfect person to produce The Godfather because he you know he could sit with Bob Evans, he could sit with Francis Ford Coppola, and he could you know sit with 
you know, Puzo, he was an advocate for artists. He was a, an artist himself. You know, he was already an accomplished writer at that point. And then also dealing with the mob. I think that was, you know, uh, something that Al was dealing with that I don't, I don't know too many producers that were having to, you know, go through Joe Colombo to get the, the approval rights for their movie to get made. Yeah, and I, I want to get to um, Matthew, who played Robert Evans in a moment. Um, but I also wanted to just note that although Al Ruddy was the driving force behind the making of The Godfather, he didn't do it alone. Uh, Betty McCart, who is played by Juno Temple, at the time was Ruddy's secretary. And in this series, we see, get to see her as this very savvy uh, player in Hollywood. She's making waves as a woman in Hollywood in the early 1970s. Uh, Nikki, can you talk a little bit about Betty's role in the making of The Godfather, some of the obstacles she faced in her career? Um, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, Betty McCart was one of the characters that we knew the least about. Um, you know, there isn't a lot of, uh, there isn't a lot about her online. There isn't, um, um, a whole lot of resources. So we were basically using, you know, Al Ruddy as a guide for creating this character. And, you know, one of the interesting things that we realized early on is that Ruddy told us that Betty McCart was, um, was sort of, you know, ha sort of had her finger on the pulse of, um, of Hollywood. And she was also a direct line to not only Al Ruddy, but a direct line to Charlie Bluedorn. And, and who was the head of uh, Gulf and Western at the time. And we, you know, in the writer's room, we did a lot of thinking about what it meant to be a woman at that time, navigating, um, you know, the sexism of that time and sort of came up with this character that was largely governed by um, putting it all out there, saying, you know, saying what was on her mind, being direct um, with, you know, everyone, all of the all of the men that she was dealing with and ended up being um, uh, ridiculously su successful, which, uh, as we all know, you know, um, the obstacles that women are facing in 2002 are, 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 are pretty up there. And so for Betty McCart to have had this kind of um, autonomy and power at that time really says something about her character. And Matthew, you play the legendary film executive and Paramount Studios chief Robert Evans. Can you tell us a bit about what role Evans played in getting The Godfather made and what was the nature of his relationship with director Francis Ford Coppola? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I can. I think one of the one of the things about Bob is he was um, <laughs> it was a serious, real character, quite a bit eccentric. Um, and I mean, I think when what we our knowledge of him is now is he sort of almost became a slight caricature of himself. But we have to remember that he was a real tastemaker um, and made some films that really were would probably not get made now. Things like Harold and Maud. I, I you know, I, I think people would be like, no, I'm not going to even attempt to try and put that uh, love story on film. So. And he was under a lot of pressure. I mean, he had just made Love Story, which had made $100 million and was the biggest grossing film of the time. But Charlie Bluedhorn and and all the all the all the execs at Gulf and Western really, really did need him to continue making hits. And so The Godfather, obviously, I mean, he had a very good business brain. It was the biggest book of the year. So it was it wasn't exactly a, a no brainer. But he was he was also running, a you know, a ton of other films. He was running the studio. So as to say that he was 
every single day had had his finger on the pulse of that film, I think would probably be a bit of a lie. But um, you know, when when problems did occur, Al would have come to him, and then he was he would have been also a good mediator between. Uh, Al Ruddy and Charlie Bluthorn and trying to get extra finance and all these kind of things. So um, I think one of the great things about Bob is that he was, although the buck stopped with him and he had to make some difficult calls, he was a, he was very much a team player. And, and uh, yeah, I think his his output, you know, it was a real sweet spot in the era of Hollywood that, that Bob was involved in. Does that make any sense? I think so. Yeah, it, it sort of speaks for itself when you talk about his resume and the, the films that he um, was instrumental in getting getting made. Um, and Matthew, staying with you, we actually have an audience question about your experience playing playing this man who you said, you know, kind of turned into a caricature. Susie Rose wants to know what was more difficult to endure, the overly floppy hair or the daily hourly spray tanning required to achieve Evans's signature lacquered baked ham look? <laughs> um, well, but the overly floppy hair, um, it was model's own. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm a, I don't like my hair in general. I much prefer to have a hat on. And it's got a bit of a wave and it's quite thick. Apparently, when you're in your 40s, you should be very grateful about that. But the hair was fine. Listen, I mean, it's hardly it was hardly an arduous task. But working on this job, it was a real honor. It was a treat. But when it comes to the spray tanning, <laughs> which is just embarrassing, you know, you know, he's suddenly somewhere in Beverly Hills whipping you whipping off all your clothes down to your kegs and you know it's a different person every time and you're like oh, god I mean, there's various ways you have to stand <laughs> but eventually eventually it was becoming so expensive <laughs> to do that <laughs> i'm taking up a lot of makeup's budget so they ended up just whacking on like troweling on <laughs> loads of makeup anyway i would have loved to have sat out in the sun and did what ray winston did for sexy beast um, where he got a serious pearl, like, like he was there for six months, I think, and got a great tan, but we just didn't have the time. And also, I, 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 f I fear for skin cancer at the amount that I would have had to sit up <laughs> to, to emulate Bob's colour. Yeah, we have the technology now, <laughs> other ways of achieving the look. <laughs> um, true to form, the making of the offer as with the making of The Godfather, wasn't without its challenges. There was the recasting of Army Hammer, COVID-19, middle of a pandemic. Uh, Nikki, can you talk about some of the challenges you all faced and overcame to make this series? I mean, we were fortunate enough to have, we had a great, you know, it was, I'm not going to say it wasn't difficult and, you know, and, and challenging. We had a great, you know, COVID team. So they were constantly informing us about, you know, what was happening with the CDC and making sure that, and just making sure that everybody on set was feeling, you know, was was feeling safe. Um, I, I, it's so funny, I, I don't, I, uh, hearing the name Army Hammer, I, I, I've only ever seen Miles now in, in, in this, in this role. It was, you know, we looked forward immediately and Miles was the guy. He just had, you know, this amazing, amazing, um, swagger in real life that echoes the swagger that um al ruddy has and and miles was just you know on set all the time was was just a just a great example a great number one to be looking up to and 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 following the rules and it made the cast and crew you know um want to do the same Miles Al Ruddy wasn't the only uh only thing navigating hollywood you know to get godfather made um 
uh, I'm sorry, Al Ruddy wasn't only navigating Hollywood to get The Godfather made. As you mentioned, he was also contending with the mafia. Um, can you actually expand a little bit more on a point you made earlier about the role of the mafia in this story and how your character had to deal with that? Well, I think that was one of the things when I was doing, you know, my research about it, what I, I don't think I really understood how involved the mob was with any production going on in New York at the time. I mean, they really, you know, kind of ran all the Teamsters. So any any of these trucks coming in or out with equipment, you know, the mob, the mob knew about it. And you really did have to kind of, you know, wet their bill a little bit. You had to, you know, pay them off. They had to, in a lot of ways, they kind of, you know, they had to respect you as well. Uh, Al didn't have any money to give, so he wasn't able to go down that route. Um, but there's a lot of stuff you can find online, um, apart from some of the stories that I got from Al. Um, but Al told me a, a, on several different occasions he would be brought down a hall, um, through a room, into a very small room, and uh, you know he was he was scared for his life. So, I mean, there, there's a lot out there, but I think that's kind of what I was. A little surprised by, and I love the scene that we do in the show where Al, Al invites them over to read the script. There is no middle act. He's got to kind of <laughs> stuff some pages in there to make it look like a fully assembled script. And Al told me this story in person. He said he handed Joe the the script and uh, he didn't want to read it, pass it to the next guy. Oh, I don't have my glasses, boss. Pass it to the next guy. Ah, come on. I don't want to be doing this. And he just said they passed it around like a hotcake because nobody, I think they would have been embarrassed to try and sit down and read, a, you know, a script in, you know, in front of people. So some of it is taken a bit comedically, but it's, I mean, yeah, we're lucky that Al survived all that stuff so that he could, he could give us these stories. Miles, I'm wondering also if you can talk a little bit about how you struck this balance. At least, you know, when I was watching the the series, you get the sense that Al Ruddy is supremely confident, but he's also unassuming in a way. Um, and at the same time, we're watching him navigate these incredibly stressful situations. As you mentioned, that scene with with the handing over the script and there being no middle act. Um, how did you strike that balance? Well, I, I think that is kind of the the forward momentum of the piece is a problem comes to L and, and he solves it. And there's not a ton of time dealing with the thinking about how to solve it, right? Like it seems that Al, um, on the surface, yeah, appears unflappable. I think he's, yeah, he's a man of action. So that was something that I think Dexter and I kind of found the balance of pretty early there would something would come up in the scene and I would you know think about it for a little bit and then come back with an answer and Dexter says no no he said you're playing a man of action so don't don't overthink it just you know he's, he's coming back with something pretty quick and I think that's that's one of his gifts and I think that was really my in to this to this guy is that he he just uh, his instincts, I think, for for problem solving and and dealing with people were were spot on. We have a, another audience question for Matthew, um, Catherine Adamak. So, so. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I'm I'm back. Oh, you're back. Okay, good, because we have an audience question for you. You missed you missed all of your colleagues saying wonderful things about you. So oh, thank God. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, we have an audience question for you. Catherine sure. Adamak from California asked, was it difficult to obtain visas for the British actors? Um, that includes you and Juno Temple because of the COVID shutdown of international travel. What impact did that have on the schedule? Wow, that's quite a that's quite a big boy um, question. Um, it was there was a there was a phenomenal amount of uh, it was chock a block getting a visa in London, and so um, I ended up having to uh, go to Budapest. Uh, which was marvellous. Uh, <laughs> so I sat in a room for seven days in Budapest whilst whilst that got sorted out. But I can't speak for Juno um, because I don't know what her process of, of what it was. She's worked a lot. Of, does she have a green card? I don't even know. Um, I know she's obviously British, but um, she's worked a lot in America. So I don't know whether she already had an O1 visa from another job. Um, but isn't she marvellous? Yeah, she's wonderful in the series, as are you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm wondering if now, Nikki, uh, wanted to ask you about The Godfather today. If you, if you, if The Godfather was made today, do you think it would be on a streaming service or could it get made today, a film, a film like this and a project like this? I, oh God, um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I feel like, um, I, you know, with, you know, with the obstacles that, you know, that already, you know, had to face and, and overcoming, um, you know, making a film while, while simultaneously dealing with the mafia. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I think that the one of, one of the things that, you know, I, I, um, that we were always cognizant of in the writer's room was the fact that there was, you know, obviously a, a parallel between um, fighting to have, you know, fighting for creative integrity, fighting to have something made amidst big business, you know, at the time Gulf and Western, um, um, you know, owned uh, owned Paramount, uh, you know, in, in 2022, you know, there's a lot of streaming services that are owned by, you know, tech companies or or um or viacom and i think that the you know the underlying sort of moral of the story of of the offer and the godfather at the time was was how important it is to um to fight for your you know to fight for your vision because you know we would have had a different movie if somebody else had been playing michael corleone or or um or the don or you know if if Al Already hadn't been successful in 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 um, you know overcoming the obstacles that, that were set forth by the mafia. What would you know? What would have happened? You know what would have happened then? So uh, the long-winded answer to your question is um, is that uh, I, I I don't know. I but I need I think as uh, you know as a creative person I, I need to believe that it could get made when when people recognize you know a a, a beautiful script and um, and a beautiful cast, um, and it all comes together. I, I want to believe that that you can still fight for something like that, and 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 it can come to fruition. Um, I wanted to ask uh, Miles or Matthew, either one, if you wanted to jump in on this. Uh, was the experience of playing these characters, producer, film exec, um, kind of this give you a different sense or appreciation of? 
of, you know, you're actors and you're focused on your craft and, and here you are playing the people who are trying to make the project happen. Did, did it sort of pull you out of the experience in a way of being an actor or was it like a meta experience of being so deep in a story about trying to make a movie? Do you want to take that on, Mark, as you served as an exec producer on this, as well as being an actor? Yeah, I mean, I think that it was really, uh, well, first of all, it was it was incredibly insightful. I think if you want a blueprint on, on um, you know, you know how to how to be a producer for better or worse, you're you're seeing a man, you know, really figure it out. Um, he was a guy who, by the time he started producing film, especially getting something like The Godfather, didn't have a ton of experience under his belt. But I think, for me, first of all, as actors, by the time we show up, we're already standing on the shoulders of of so many people um, and so. Uh, so many hours in pre-production, but it's nice. It was nice to know, kind of, yeah, what goes on behind closed doors. And with Al, you know, with so many people putting their careers on the line for someone else, somebody else they believed in, to give somebody else that opportunity, I think it made me realize how that. I'm I'm sure that's that's happened in in my own career, and it's when unseen so I, I thought this was this is a really beautiful insight into kind of the behind the scenes and I think so many people just assume these suits are into it for the money and you realize that no in a lot of the ways they are um, you know they're just really advocating for people that they believe in and the artists and and the integrity of a project and so for me personally that was something I, I felt um, really privileged to kind of get a sense of and Matthew, not letting you off the hook, we have another qu audience question from you that just came in from Twitter. Um, <laughs> someone, uh, Nikki, she wants to know, did you learn anything about yourself while playing Bob Evans? Will it be a performance that will continue to resonate with you? That's a nice question, Nikki. Um, I think, I mean, I, obviously I learned a lot about The Godfather and the, the actual job, but for me also, I, it was, it was one of the most joyful experiences that I've ever had on a set. Earmuffs, you two. I'm about to say some nice things, and and it really and it really was, and it was and it was a it was double joy for me in, in some ways because I wanted to work with those actors, a bunch of them, like ten of them, for a really long time, and I get it all in one nicely nice little neat cadeau with a with a little twirl on the top, and and I really have to talk about because a lot of my scenes were were with Miles. Quite rare to have. To have chunky scenes with just one, 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 but one other person or, or two other people, and also at the same time, I had the joy of working with, in, in a sort of triumvirate with Bern Gorman and and Chanks, Colin Hanks, and um, and I mean that like it, we, you don't know what sort of sparring partner. Actually, that makes it sound competitive. It's not. That's not how I work. Some people, but I don't. And it was, it was just fabulous to go to work and 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 see what they're doing and it, you, you're just effectively keeping the energy of a scene and the ball in the air and trying to do it as intelligently as and and try to do what your director wants most of the time too um and so but what i really learned was it was it was a real challenge because i was very lonely in la it's 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 a place that i'm that i've made peace with but it's not somewhere that i feel particularly comfortable not la necessarily hollywood and so what i got out of it nikki um <clears throat> As I learned that I can be 
in a place and devote myself to a, this is going to sound so stupid, but devote yourself to something so whole, wholly that you actually, I did so much homework on this. I don't, I, not, and this sounds going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I don't think I, I very rarely did I forget a line because I've done so much homework. Because if I wasn't on set, I was just in my room. <laughs> it became a sort of in joke that I had this enormous painting behind me on the sofa and I, I was just in front of it. We're talking to my friends every every hour of the day on over the weekends. Anyway, blah blah blah. I learned that I'm I can I can knuckle down during hard times. <laughs> Could have just said that at the beginning. Yes, but if you said that at the beginning, we wouldn't have had all the context. So thank you. <laughs> In the few moments we have left, I wanted to ask each of you, and maybe we can start here with Nikki, if they remember uh, when you first saw The Godfather, what that experience was like, and now after having been so intimately involved with the story of making it, after making this series, will your impression of it be different? Has it changed? Nikki? Um, absolutely. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that, you know, I was like 11 or 12 and my father snuck me into a basement on a 13 inch TV and showed me and showed me the Godfather, much to my mother's dismay. And, um, at the time I just, you know, growing up an Italian American gal, um, I just saw, I was like, oh, my family's on screen. I, you know, and, um, and it was, and it was sort of refreshing to, to be, to be watching this family, um, that I related to so much. Um, um, and um, and then, you know, over time, uh, you know, my perception and and the things that I appreciate about the Godfather has changed. And now that I'm I have such an awareness about the film industry and what it takes to go into to, you know, the the making of a film and then being, you know, on the Paramount set, you know, shooting on the same stages that the Godfather shot on. I think that, you know, my appreciation for the specificity of the process, everything from, you know, uh, Gordy Willis's, you know, uh, and his incredible lighting and, you know, and Dean Tavalaris, who, you know, uh, the production designer and the choices that were made and, um, you know, to make this film and the casting and everything else. I think that, you know, having having an awareness about the fight that it took, um, which, you know, generally mirrors um, the fights that you have to have as a as a showrunner on a daily basis, um, it, it was really sort of um, inspiring and eye-opening. And my appreciation for the film has, you know, grown tenfold since I came onto this project. Miles, do you remember the first time you saw The Godfather? The first time I, I saw it, I think I was just a, a, a teenager and I, I caught it on TV for a little bit. And at that point I was probably, you know, very aware of the, almost the parody of, of um, you know, Marlon Brando's performance, but I don't think I was really, I don't know how much of it I was absorbing. And then I saw it again when I was, you know, kind of going through drama school and, and felt like I really gave a pretty tuned in um, watch to it. And I was just really struck by the, the tension of the entire piece and the lighting. I remember the lighting and, and feeling like I had never, you know, really seen anything like that before. And I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it, it will always be remembered as one of the greatest films ever made. You don't get that many contributing parts kind of working really at the top of their game. It just, it's a once in a generation, you know, once in a lifetime achievement, what they were all able to 
accomplish together. Matthew, in one minute left, do you remember the first time or any other thoughts you want to add to this conversation? Uh, any other thoughts? Anything well, you want? Anything that's on your mind, Matthew. Not anything related to this. Cordy Willis is a genius. Um, So they're the master of the dark arts, the DOPs, the director of photographies. And and so I've always been endlessly fascinated with that. And I think someone should mention the music. I mean, what a theme. And if we're talking about iconic, you you hear that it just takes you there instantaneously the minute you hear it. And that's so, so it's got so much going for it, this film. It's just always a treat. Well, unfortunately, we will have to leave it there. Thanks for mentioning the music. I will be pulling up the Godfather score after this to listen to it. Um, I wanted to thank everyone who joined us today, Miles Teller, Matthew Good, and Nikki Toscano. Thank you for joining us here on Washington Post Live. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.